And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and good afternoon and good morning, if it's that time of the world for you over there. Uh, I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side, because they are the host with the most. They are the ones in charge. They're the ones that started this podcast, so that means they are at the wheel. They're in the captain's chair, and they are steering this ship through these crazy waters that we call life. So welcome to His Hard Line, episode 535. We'll be doing a reading out of Genesis chapter 47 with a little short summary, and then we're going to close out in prayer, and that'll be it for the day. Originally, I wasn't going to do a podcast, but um, I figured, you know what, I got a little bit of time before I have to hop in a shower and then go to my appointment. So that is why I am here, and I just can't push God out. I just can't do that. I can't go another day, even though I skipped one or two last week. I just can't do another day and not do a Bible podcast. I just doesn't feel right. So um, just a quick couple few things here. Again, as I always state here periodically on this podcast, I am not a doctor. I don't wear a white coat. I don't play one on TV. I'm not a financial advisor, a pastor, priest, deacon, or biblical scholar, or a bar lawyer. I don't give out legal advice. Remember, I'm also not the official face or voice of the national, state, or county assemblies. And additionally, I do not advocate for violence. I am my own man, and the opinions, thoughts, and statements are of my own, unless I reference other material like I am about to hear with BibleRef.com. So there we go. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to get right into it. It's not, I'm not going to be very chatty tonight. We're going to get right to business and then we're going to you know, do a prayer and then we're going to sign off because like I said, time is of the essence for me today and it's been a busy week. And so 
Don't forget the website, www.hishardline.com. If you want to send me hate mail, we got hishardline at gmail.com. That's hishardline at gmail.com. So feel free to send your favorite podcaster hate mail whenever I irritate you. That's all good. You know how it goes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right into the nuts and bolts here. So Genesis chapter 47, I am reading out of the New American Bible Revised Edition. That is my preferred favorite. And this is going to be about, yeah, 31 verses. So let's get right into it. So as we get into the settlement in Goshen. All right. So verse one, Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father and my brothers have come from the land of Canaan with their flocks and herds and everything else they own, and they are now in the region of Goshen. He then presented to Pharaoh five of his brothers whom he had selected from their full number. When Pharaoh asked them, what is your occupation? They answered, we, your servants, like our ancestors, are shepherds. We have come, they continued, in order to sojourn in this land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks because the famine has been severe in the land of Canaan. So now please let your servants settle in the land of Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, now that your father and your brothers have come to you, the land of Egypt is at your disposal. Settle your your father and brothers in the pick of the land. Let them settle in the region of Goshen. And if you know of capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Excuse me. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh asked Jacob, how many years have you lived? Jacob replied, and the years I have lived as a wayfarer amount to a hundred and thirty. Few and hard have been these years of my life, and they do not compare with the years that my ancestors lived as wayfarers. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and withdrew from his presence. Joseph settled his father and brothers and gave them a holding in Egypt on the pick of the land in the region of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had ordered. And as Joseph provided food for his father and brothers and his father's whole household down to the youngest. Now, since there was no food in all the land because of the extreme severity of the famine and the lands of Egypt and Canaan were languishing from hunger. And Joseph gathered in as payment for the grain that they were buying all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan, and he put it in Pharaoh's house. When all the money in Egypt and Canaan was spent, all the Egyptians came to Joseph pleading, Give us food. Why should we perish in front of you? For our money is gone. Give me your livestock if your money is gone, replied Joseph. I will give you food in return for your livestock. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for their horses their flocks of sheep and herds of cattle and their donkeys. Thus he supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock in that year. Now that year ended and they came to him in the next one and said, we cannot hide from my Lord with our money spent and our livestock made over to my Lord. There is nothing left to put at my Lord's disposal except our bodies and our land. Why should we in our land perish before our very eyes? Before your very eyes, excuse me, before your very eyes. Take us and our land in exchange for food, and we will become Pharaoh's slaves and our land his property. Only give us seed that we may survive and not perish, and that our land may not turn into a waste. So Joseph acquired all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. Each of the Egyptians sold his field, and since the famine weighed heavily upon them, 
Thus, the land passed over to Pharaoh and the people were reduced to slavery from one end of Egypt's territory to the other. Now, only the priest land lands Joseph did not acquire. Now, since the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived off the allowance of Pharaoh and granted them, they did not have to sell their land. Now, Joseph told the people, now that I have acquired you and your land for Pharaoh, here is your seed for sowing the land. But when the harvest is in, you must give a fifth of it to Pharaoh while you keep your four fifths as seed for your fields and as food for yourselves and your households and as food for your children. You have saved our lives, they answered. We have found favor with my Lord. Now we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Thus Joseph made it a statute for the land of Egypt, which is still in force, that a fifth of its produce should go to Pharaoh. Only the land of the priest did not pass over to Pharaoh. Now thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the region of Goshen, and there they acquired holdings, were fertile, and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years, and the span of his life came to 147 years. When the time approached for Israel to die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If it pleases you, put your hand under my thigh as a sign of your enduring fidelity to me. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I lie down with my ancestors, take me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. I will do as you say, he replied, but his father demanded, swear it to me. So Joseph swore to him. Then Israel bowed at the head of the bed. And that is the reading of Genesis 47, chapter uh, verses 1 through 31. So there we go. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. So Genesis 47. So as we read here, the last several chapters kind of explain how Joseph Jacob's son by Rachel came to bring his family to live in Egypt. Now, Genesis 47 begins with Joseph's family appearing before Pharaoh at court in a formal audience. Now, Joseph selects five of his brothers to represent the family. And so when Pharaoh asked them their occupation, they replied as Joseph had coached them. They described themselves as being lifelong shepherds, and they formally asked Pharaoh that they be allowed to settle in their fertile region of Goshen. Now, this is an interesting choice because as Joseph had noted that Egyptians generally look down on herdsmen, right? Remember that? His motives may be both practical and spiritual, but by making it clear that the entire family is involved in shepherding, he lessens suspicion from Egyptians that these immigrants will displace them from work. So spiritually, living somewhere separate from most other Egyptians would help to preserve Israel's commitment to God. Now, instead of answering the brothers directly, Pharaoh addresses Joseph, granting him the authority to grant his brother's request. So this is both an honor to Joseph and an act of wisdom by Egypt's ruler. And so this establishes that Jacob's family is there under Joseph's care. And Joseph is their patron, not the Pharaoh himself. So Pharaoh does, however, command Joseph to settle his family in Goshen and to put some of them in charge of managing his own livestock. And so Pharaoh receives Joseph's aged father, Jacob, and Jacob, who may have needed assistance to stand before Pharaoh, blesses him. So Pharaoh asks Jacob's age, and Jacob describes his age as 130 years as a soldier and as few and evil, right? And so despite his bleak attitude, Jacob's conversation with Pharaoh is relatively casual and mutually respectful. 
All while, so Jacob's blessing on Pharaoh is well-received and would have been deeply appreciated. Now, as, as Joseph has received from Pharaoh the exact outcome that he desired, he ends up settling his family securely with and with Pharaoh's full blessing in the land of Goshen. And so there he begins to provide to them a regular allotment of food for each person. And this will be a crucial part of Israel's stability and prosperity, which will only grow in the coming centuries. And we'll, you know, we'll read into that when we get into uh, Exodus. Now, this is a confirmation of Joseph's prior understanding that God was responsible for the events of his life. Now, meanwhile, the intense regional famine continues. And so Joseph, on Pharaoh's behalf, had been selling food to the people of Egypt and Canaan during that time. Now, soon, however, the people run out of money, and Joseph does not plan to starve them if they can't pay. Rather, Joseph offers to provide food for another year in exchange for livestock owned by the people with no other option, you know, kind of like a bartering system. And so the people agree to sell their cattle and barter and, and use their other animals to, jo- you know, to Joseph in exchange for food. Now, this might have been something like a mortgage of sorts where the people you know, physically kept their animals, but they were ultimately owned and controlled by Pharaoh's household. Kind of sounds a little familiar, right? Now, when the next year arrives, the people return to Joseph fully aware that they have nothing to trade for food. So their only remaining possessions are their land and themselves. So in order to survive, the people propose to offer up those very things. And so Joseph, representing Pharaoh, agrees. And so Joseph explains to the people that their servanthood will work much like a permanent mortgage. Yeesh. And so this form of, you know, indentured servitude was extremely common in the ancient world and was fundamentally different from the harsh slavery experienced later by Israel. Now, the Egyptians will continue to work as they have always done, paying to Pharaoh 20% of each year's harvest from this point on, and they will keep 80% for themselves. And the people are grateful to Joseph for saving their lives, even at the cost of their full, you know, full freedom. Kind of almost sounds like our you know, current tax system here in America. But work, you know, actually, actually, that doesn't seem too bad. 20%, shoot, a lot of people are paying 30, 40%. I think I'd rather have that 20%, keep a little bit more of our money. But unlike everyday Egyptians, Jacob's family continues to grow and prosper. And since they are provided with, you know, with food, you know, from Joseph, they can hold on to their cash, their livestock, and even the land that they own in Egypt. Now, as most citizens lose what they own, the growing number of Israelites prosper and continue to add to their numbers, providing more evidence of the blessing of God. Now, despite his pessimism, Jacob lives another 17 years in Egypt. And under the care of and protection of his son, As time passes, Jacob eventually prepares for his own death, and he asks Joseph to swear to take his body back to Canaan. Now, this involves an ancient custom, implying that the promise was being made not only to Jacob, but to all his descendants. And so his desire is to be buried with the bodies of Abraham and Isaac. Now, Joseph, who will make good on his promise, agrees to follow his father's wishes. Such a good son. And so that is the full 
That is the full summary. Like I said, that's from BibleRef.com. That's the full summary of uh, chapter uh, Genesis 47 there. So, um, like I said, this is going to be a very short podcast. I'm not going to be very chatty today because, I, like I said, I do have an appointment today at uh, at 4.30. So, in about eh, 36 minutes, I got to go jump in, hop, you know, take a quick shower. But uh, one quick little 50-second video I do want to play because, again, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, we got so much going on, right? There's so much going on. We got so much, you know, that fifth, you know, as we all know it as fifth generational warfare, right? We're in that spiritual warfare. We got so much going on. Informational warfare. There's so much going on, right? And with all that informational warfare, you're going to have disinformation not only put forward by the bad people, a.k.a. black hats or the cabal or whatever you want to call them, right? The, the, uh, the pedophile freaks, Luciferian order. And to a degree, you got the good guys, the white hats, the patriots, the real American heroes. They also, in the mix of some of the, you know, the information they're putting out there, have to put out some disinformation out there. Again, it's all part of this you know, type of warfare that we're in, because obviously we're not in kinetic warfare. We're not seeing ammo and bullets, you know, and, and bombs being dropped all around us. In fact, this is more dangerous because, you know, this requires a, a very strong discernment that needs to come from God. Listen to what this girl says. My wife actually, um, actually, I'm sorry, I didn't find this from my wife. Uh, Kirk on Kirk's Law Quarter on Telegram, he posted this. So I reposted it. So I'm going to play it right here for you. Listen. It's a test happening right now. Actual garbage misinformation is being put out on purpose to see who can discern right from wrong. Who can discern garbage from truth? And yeah, sometimes it was the deep state that put it out there. But guess what? Sometimes it's us. It's a test. Are you just taking everything in? Or are you able to sift through it, throw out what's bad, sharpening your discernment skill, relying on God, not man, for your interpretation of things, is where we should be. Some people are not very good at this yet, and it's a process. And I think some people aren't even to the point where they're willing to say the good guys are putting out misinformation. As a test, how awake are you? And who is your anchor? That's right. How awake are you? And who is your anchor? How awake are you? Who is your anchor? Well, first off, if, if you're not answering that second question with a solid G-O-D, God, Father in Heaven, then you are going to drift away very quickly, very easily. Okay. The reason I play that is because that should be the very, you know, that sh that's going to be my parting message to you. Because like I said, this is going to be a one show Sunday. Um, I'll have two shows on tomorrow, but then Tuesday might be one. I got to help a buddy of mine at work uh, with something, so I won't be able to uh, do the two shows on Tuesday, but I'll do one for sure. I'm going to do the Bible podcast. Um, but again, I want to leave you with something to really think about. It doesn't matter if you're in the assembly. It doesn't matter where you're at and, you know, and what stage in life you're at. It doesn't matter where you work or, you know, whatever. There's so much information coming at us from so many different angles. We have to make sure we tap into God, the father almighty for that discernment. And remember, from what I played the other day on that episode about, you know, Satan's number one, you know, target, which is our mind. You got a lot of people out there that will 
tout that they are Christians, that they will tout that they are God-fearing Jesus, you know, following people. Be careful. Satan is very, very good at deceiving and lying. Okay? Be very, very aware of who you are surrounding yourself with. Okay? Judge the man or woman by the fruits of their labor. Is what they're doing match with what they're saying? Because there's a lot of people that I can see, that I know, that I used to trust, their walk to walk is just not quite matching their talk to talk. Does that make sense? Watch the company you 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 keep. There's a lot of slime ball snakes out there, and believe you me, they are being exposed. They it's not a matter of they will be exposed. More of them will be, of course, but they lion share, you know, share of them, they are exposed. We know who they are both on the very lowest local level, the ground grunts, you know, the peon ants, if you will, all the way up to the top. We know who they are. I'll leave it at that. I'm going to end this with, uh, again, I, I've been saying I'm going to probably end doing this prayer because I love it that much. It's from Psalm, Psalm 26. Judge me, Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. In the Lord I trust, I do not falter. Examine me, Lord, and test me. Search my heart and mind. Your mercy is before my eyes. I walk guided by your faithfulness. I do not sit with worthless men, nor with hypocrites do I mingle. I hate an evil assembly. With the wicked I do not sit. I will wash my hands in innocence so that I may process around your altar, Lord, to hear the sound of thanksgiving and recount all your wondrous deeds. Lord, I love the refuge of your house, the site of the dwelling place of your glory. Do not take me away with sinners, nor my life with men of blood in whose hands there is a plot, their right hands full of bribery. But I walk in my integrity, redeem me, be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground in assemblies. I will bless the Lord. And to top this off with a nice bow, Rietta says right here, Lord, help us to save, have better wisdom and discernment. Thank you for your faithfulness and how you reveal the evil. Be with the assembly, grow with the assembly. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. And may I add, be with the lawful rightful assembly because there are some frauds out there who tout to be the rightful lawful assembly they're not i'm going to tell you right now they're not and there's proof of that and that's all going to come out too so there you go we pray all this in your holy son's name jesus christ amen so ladies and gentlemen i hope you all have a great great day a great Sunday, and I did forget to say it at the beginning, but remember, this is May 7th, in case you don't have a calendar or a phone nearby to let you know what day it is. It is Sunday, May 7th, 2023. So there you are. So I am signing off. I got to go take a, a quick shower, and I got to be off very quickly. So God bless, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back here tomorrow. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea. 
so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Oh, <laughs> shit.